Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, my friends, today's show has no hype in it. Today's show is very confusing. And you say, well, Del, why would you put out a confusing show? Because the world is confusing. Guy sent me an email a month or so back. He said it was a it was an article by Elon Musk stating that we should teach critical thinking in school because people can't critically think any longer. What does that mean? Mini definition. Analyze the facts, come up with your own conclusions, be critical about other people's opinions. Something like that. And when I read the article, it was, it was it was neat. Yeah, sure, we should teach critical thinking because people don't do it anymore. But today I'm sitting here going, I just I was thinking that I was hitting myself on the side of the head with a, with my finger, going. But what good is critical thinking when it doesn't get you to a solution? And that, my friends, is where today's show is going. What happens when you figure it all out? And it still doesn't give you a clear direction. How does that work? Why is it that way? What could possibly create a scenario where there is no actual answer to your critical thinking? Boy, that's crazy one, huh? So where do we start here? Guy sent me an article. And let's see if I can read this to you. It says, real estate bulls need to check themselves before they wreck themselves. And this guy goes on. He's a contrarian and makes this argument in this article that real estate prices are ready to crash. And honestly, if you read the article and you're a critical thinker, the points that he make are absolutely true. In fact, I listened to three nationally renowned economists over the last week or two, and all three of them bring these same points up. But they all came to a different conclusion than this guy did. So how can that be? We're using the same points and we're coming to a different conclusion. Well, that's how critical thinking works. You can look at the same set of facts and get a different answer. So what are the facts? The facts are, according to this article, according to the economists, there is massive inflation right now. So what happens with massive inflation? We all know what's going to happen with massive inflation. The Fed's going to raise interest rates. They've already said they would in March raise the first round of increases. They've also said they're going to stop buying bonds, which is buying down the interest rates. 
So they're, the stuff they're doing right now to make the economy stronger, to make real estate more expensive, you say, well, Dell, explain it to me. How is real estate more expensive? The lower the interest rates are, the more you can pay for a piece of real estate and still make it cash flow. And so what has happened here over the last, and this guy makes this, makes this argument, since 2008, real estate prices have been going up. 2008 is when they all crashed. It's when I tripled my net worth within two or three years. It was the greatest real estate buying streak since when I started in 1987, when everything crashed. When you have a real estate crash and prices go down, now you can buy real estate at a price relative that you make a ton of profit from it. But each year since 2008, which he says is 14 years ago, the longest peacetime run-up in real estate values ever, right? Ever. Normally, real estate values and prices rise for about five to six years. And then there's going to be some kind of a pullback, just like the stock market rises, rises, and then there's a pullback. But there's been no pullback in real estate for 14 years. That's the point this guy's making. And so have other economists. Everything out there points to there should be a major real estate crash. Every economic theory of supply and demand and, and markets moving and ratios and numbers and everything proves that the market should be ready to crash. With this massive inflation, the Fed should be raising interest rates. And that, in turn, should make real estate more expensive. And that, in turn, should slow down people buying real estate and maybe even create a crash. But let me tell you what's been going on in real estate for the last five years. Up until about five years ago, you had to be able to buy a piece of real estate. When you bought a piece of real estate, you had to make it cash flow. You had to say, okay, I have to be able to have net operating income. That's all my income minus all my expenses and the amount of money left over. I had to have something called a debt coverage ratio. I had to make at least 125% of what my mortgage payment was. Prices got so high that wouldn't work. And the prices got so high that it wouldn't work such that they started saying, what we'll do is we'll give you one or two years of interest only, meaning you don't have to cover the debt service for the first year or two because you won't be paying down the mortgage at all. You'll just be paying interest, which is a much smaller number, and so you can cash flow. And then they took that I.O. from one year to two years, and I.O. is interest only. By the way, I don't like to use acronyms. Interest only payment from one year to two year to three year to four year to five year to six year. And now they have interest only loans for the entire life of the loan meaning you're never paying any mortgage off. Now, the banks and the mortgage companies, they have an underwriting clause that says that there has to be a better situation at the end of the loan than there is at the beginning. So what they're letting people do now is lie, literally lie, about where they're going to be two years, four years, five years, seven years from now. Now, they're saying, well, no, it's not lying, Dell. It's a track record. These guys have done this kind of stuff. They've proven that they can increase the income and control the expenses, and et cetera, et cetera. Except they can't control the expenses. Because as the values on this stuff goes up radically year after year, the property tax values and insurance values go up radically. 
So the costs go up radically. They can't control the cost because as inflation takes wages up, payroll and wages go up radically. Yet they're lying and saying they're not going to go up. And I say lying with, you know, the grain of salt, finger in my eye, saying they're allowing them to make the argument that they're not going to go up. And so they're underwriting these things under a set of conditions that are more and more and more dangerous. So now the banks know, they know interest rates are going to go up. So what they've done is they've lowered the interest rate super low on the front end and made it adjustable rate mortgages so that people can still buy real estate with prices way too high, way higher than they should be. I mean, the prices people are paying now is way higher than they should be paying for. This real estate doesn't make any sense. And yet the banks are letting them do it. Why? Because the banks need to make loans to make profits. Because the brokers need to sell real estate to make profits. And because there's so much pent-up money out there that has no place to go, nobody's paying any returns on money. And so, good money's thrown after bad money, and bad money's thrown after good money, and money, 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 money is just sitting there trying to buy anything and everything it get its hands on. That's the problem, my friends. There's too much money chasing too little investment return. Not investments. There's lots of investments. But investment return. There's no returns on investments anymore. And then he goes on and says, there's a lower population growth. And so, even with even though they're building all this new real estate, there's nobody to fill it up. Now, a better way to look at that, and I don't really know if there's less population growth. I don't really believe there's less population growth. Although, that argument can go either way, because I don't have the facts to prove that one out. Um, but I will tell you what the economists said. The economists said people are moving out of the cities. People are moving to... There's two types of migration going on right now. One, out of big cities. COVID is pushing people away from being in a situation where you live on top of each other. People don't like it. COVID has created jobs where you can work from home. So they're moving out of big cities. Number two, they're moving away from Democrats. They're moving out of blue states into red states. So in those blue states, the population is literally going down, guys. So if you're buying real estate in a blue state, you're out of your mind. Because this guy's argument makes all the sense in the world. Now let's add one more argument to that argument. He also says that rents are going up faster than income. And I believe that. We have year over year about a 16% rent growth in our industry right now. You don't have a 16% pay increase. Now, the point is, wow, good for us, good for us, good for us. Is it? Is it a good thing where you get the rent so high people can't afford them? What happens when people can't afford the rents anymore? They start moving in together. Two families. In effect, cutting the number of people and demand in half. When you cut the demand in half, what's going to have to happen to the rent? 
it might go back down again. Then again, it might not. The bottom line, though, is that if your clientele cannot afford your product, that's got to be bad for your business. In the long run, that's got to be bad for your business, right? So you look at this and say, well, why is it they're paying it? They're paying it because they have to. But what happens if they just say, I'm not going to? What if they just move away? Find someplace cheaper to live? Can it happen? Yes. And this guy says it will happen. He says, you are eventually going to price yourself out. Now, let's go back, and we've only got a minute to do this before we go to break again. Let's go back to the argument the banks are making. You have to prove out three years from now that you're in a better financial position as an owner of this apartment than you were when you got into it, that you've raised the rents and lowered the expenses. Well, we've already proven the expenses are going up. We've already proven the rents might not go up anymore. There may be a stagnation point at some point. What happens when you get to the end of that loan and you haven't done that which they demand you to do to be eligible to get another loan? What happens then? What happens three years from now when all the chickens come home to roost? Is there another recession like there was in 2008? Do the banks fold up? That's what this guy says is going to happen. And that, my friends, is the way his critical thinking has rationalized it all to happen. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. seminar one time and a guy was sitting up there and he was saying what you really need is you need the young aggressive entrepreneur people to go out there and take that money and invest it with them i walked up to the front of the stage and i said hey i'm that guy you're talking about that should be mentoring these people on how to do this the guy goes sir we don't allow solicitation and i said no 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 no. you don't understand i'm here to tell you i'm exactly the guy you were telling them to look for and I'm willing to help them for nothing. And the guy goes, if you don't stop soliciting, I'm gonna have to have security come and get you. And I said, I can see you're a scam. I'll just leave. Everything I said had gone through the intercom. So I walked out of the seminar room and 200 people followed me. And that's how Lifestyles are started. Are you ready to get up and follow Dell? Join us today at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about critical thinking and we're trying to point out to you the fact that you can look at two sides of the same set of facts and come up with completely different ideas as to what is actually going on. And um, we're talking about right now the future, the, the near future of real estate investing. So I listened to this guy the other day um, that is a syndicator. He lies about a lot of what he says. And I, I just sit there and I go, well, he actually might even believe his own BS because he says it so loudly and so repetitively. And 
some of the stuff he says is just so ridiculous, it's unbelievable, because you can see right through it. If you have any idea about what he is talking about, you can tell he's lying through his teeth. But you have to understand, you have to know what he's talking about. So the guy is a syndicator, and a syndicator is out there to make money by syndicating. Now, let's think about this. Real estate brokers are not going to tell you the market is crashing because they need to sell you real estate to make a living. Unless they're selling real estate, they can't get people to sell unless people are buying. And they can't get people to sell unless prices are going up to where they can tell them, I can get your money out right now, whatever. So they've got to make the point that it's the right time to sell and to buy. Both sides, they got to lie on both sides of their mouth. Hey, you need to sell right now. Hey, you need to buy right now. But all they care about is this transaction. Mortgage companies need to make transactions happen. So they can tell you, look, we're making it infinitely more difficult to get a loan. But at the same time, we're making it infinitely easier to go broke on the loan we're giving you. We're making it so this loan is like a nuclear loan. It can blow up any time in your face and wipe you out. And we're taking less and less risk. Like I was looking at a deal the other day, I put it off for an apartment complex, and you could put, used to be able to, you could put 20% down. At one point, you could even put 10% down. Now you have to put 35% down on one kind of loan and 50% down on another loan. In other words, the bank is putting themselves in a position that even if they have to foreclose on you, they're going to be fine because they don't have more risk on the property than what they know they could get. If the property were to crater, it's not going to crater more than 35% to 40%. They're going to be fine. But you're not seeing that if you're a syndicator, if you're a consummate buyer, if you know that the only way you make money is to do another syndication. And let's talk about syndications for a second. At Lifestyles, we teach syndications, but we have something called a white paper. And the white paper is in place with a set of rules that you have to agree to follow or you can't syndicate at our group. You have to agree to follow these rules that protect the passive investors to some degree. Nothing is 100% safe. But you've got to understand what syndicators are doing. They're going out there and do it, putting a deal together because, number one, they're making capital. They're making money as a finder's fee. They're making money as an acquisitions fee. They're making money as taking a percentage ownership of a property they didn't put the money in to get the ownership percentage for. They're just taking a position in the property for putting the deal together. They're taking a management fee. They're taking a refinance fee. They're taking a liquidation fee. They are making money even if this property makes no money at all. Now, the lies this guy is telling you is they're unbelievable. Number one, he says the larger the deal the safer the deal and the better the deal. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my entire life. I've been doing this for 30 years. The smaller the deal, the safer the deal. The larger the deal, the more institutional money it's after the deal. The higher the quality asset, the more institutional money is after it. The smarter the people are you're negotiating against, and the higher the price ends up being. And they negotiate those things down to just a hair's thickness of profitability. They are very, very, very risky, very, very unprofitable. The rate of return on those deals is almost as low as bonds, 3 4%. And this guy's lying and saying, well, you'll make 4 5 6%. Yeah, if he hits all of his projections, you might make 4 5 6%. If he doesn't hit his projections, you might be making 0 to 1 or 2%. But he's making tens of millions of dollars in these deals. But he's telling you the larger the deal 
the more profitable it is. Why does he tell you that? Because the larger the deal, the more fees he makes, the more money he makes, no matter if the deal makes money or not. Why is the larger the deal not a safe? The larger and larger you get, the harder it is to manage a piece of real estate. We had one guy here that bought an 800-unit apartment complex one time. He said, I'll never do it again. He's one of our smartest investors. He's been successful in over 50 different transactions. He owns billions of dollars of real estate. And yet, he'll tell you, I'll never buy an 800-unit again. I'll never buy a big, expensive, gigantic property again. Why? It's too hard to manage. You're managing a city. And not an apartment complex. But this guy, other guy's lying, 100% lying, that the larger it is, the better it is. The next thing you need to understand is these syndicators, the more and more and more properties they get, the less and less time they have to spend on operating the property. To the extent that this guy I know doesn't even operate his properties. The guy I'm talking about doesn't, couldn't possibly be operating his properties. So you're in a situation in our group, what happens is we try to dissuade rapid acquisition. People who grow their portfolio very rapidly get out of control. They haven't had the time to develop an infrastructure. You can't go buy an infrastructure. I've seen people try to do it. They try to go out there and match the speed of growth with the number and quality of people they hire, and it's very, very tough to do. Why? Because you have no corporate culture. You have all kinds of people from all over the place working together, but no corporate culture. A company is held together by the glue of corporate culture. My corporate culture is best product, best price, customer, total customer satisfaction. That's my corporate culture. And don't overwork the staff. That's part of my corporate culture. We have rules at my companies that you don't overwork the staff. If you've grown so much that there's too much work, you hire another person. You don't overwork people. That's a corporate culture. Other companies, that's not the case. They'll work you till you're dead, drop you off on the sidewalk, and pick up a new person on the way into work. And those companies don't last. Those companies burn their staffs out, destroy the inner workings of the company, and eventually fall apart. And that's what rapid acquisition does to companies. It destroys them from the inside out. I've seen it. We've had it happen at Lifestyles. We've had members that it's happened to. And we go in and we try to help them. We try to bolster them, but they'll never admit, no, I did nothing wrong. You did everything wrong with rapid acquisition. The more a person brags to you about how successful they are as a syndicator, the faster I'd run away from them. Because they're saying, look, I'm getting rich, which means you're probably not. The syndicators in our group, which we call lead investors because they have to qualify and pass a test. And they have to agree to certain rules. That becomes a lead, lifestyle's lead. They are being taught how to grow these businesses without blowing them up. Now, does that mean everybody follows our lead, our rules? No. And some people have to leave. In fact, I've had many people leave. They leave because they want to go do what they want to do. They want rapid acquisition. They want to put all the chips on their side of the equation, and their passive investors, the people putting the money up, get nothing. Now, I've heard this person tell people things that are so crazy that only a lunatic would tell them. Guy called him up and asked him, I got $1,700. What should I do with my $1,700? He goes, put it all in my deal. Put it all in my deal. Why? Because you're broke already. You're already broke. There's no, don't worry about it. You're broke. You're, you're useless. You know, you might make 4% on the deal. 
Like 4% can help this guy who only has $1,700, where that guy could go buy a house and make 25000 bucks profit if he did it right. Yet these rich syndicators just want more of your money. And they believe they're never going to fail. Never going to fail. They, they can't even conceive failure. And yet they don't care because it's not their money. And if they do fail, they're losing your money, not their money. And they know it. And they don't care. So, I said, well, what does your critical thinking say, Dell? My critical thinking believes that there's truths in both sides of this argument. My critical thinking says, I've been looking for the last five years for to put my money now that I have a lot of money. And it's darn hard to find any place that makes a higher rate of return than real estate, even though real estate's returns have been cut in half from what they were 10 years ago and cut uh, by about four times from what they were in 2008 when I was making 200, 300, 400% returns. Now we're making about 100% return over a three-year period of time. That's what I'm seeing in my deals and what most people are talking about in their deals. And so it's about a 30% a year total internal rate of return. Cash on cash is more like 4 to 6%. So the capital gains added to it, blah, blah, blah. The tax advantages happen to it, added to it, blah, 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 brings it to about a 30% return, 33 or so percent return. I can't find that anywhere else. And so I keep buying. Last week, I made four offers. In fact, was it this week? Might have been Monday this week. I made four more offers. Last week, I made another offer uh, on a big apartment complex, and I haven't heard back on that one yet. But yeah, I'm still making offers. But what I am doing is when I buy these things, I'm buying them with very, very low debt, very, very, very low interest rates. And I'm locking in super low interest rates, and I'm locking, I'm putting very, uh, putting a lot of money down so I have a very small debt service so that even if the world crashes, these things still cash flow. And they're still safe investments for me. Why? It's kind of halfway in between, isn't it? It's like, I don't know any place you can get a better return, but I sure am not going to sit out there and be with one of these guys saying it, it could never fail because it could fail and it might fail. I'm also keeping some liquid cash. I'm not spending every penny I have because if it does fail, <laughs> boomerango. That's when you buy everything you get your hands on when it's crashing. That's when I'd go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and start syndicating again, just to get people's money into the game when it should be. When the last crash came, I went and got myself a partner to operate everything so I didn't have to be bothered operating and started syndicating. Syndicators have time to do one thing, syndicate, raise capital. They don't have time to operate their own properties. And so I got myself an operations guy to take care of the operation. Now, what happened was after we syndicated a ton of stuff, then all of a sudden I found out I needed to get back involved in operations. Because someone who takes their eye off any business they own will eventually be unhappy with the results of that business. You do have to pay attention to what you do. And so at that point, I stopped syndicating, started paying attention to my own business, worked my way through those deals, made a ton of money, got out and bought my own deals that weren't syndicated. And small enough number of deals I could keep my eyeballs on them. That's the way I did it. So my friends, you see, that critical thinking doesn't always come up with an answer. Today, you might be more confused today after this show than you were before this show, but at least one thing is you are informed. 
You're informed about what the potential downfalls are. You're informed about what syndicators are doing and how they're lying to you about the facts. Smaller deals are always safer than larger deals. Larger deals always have a lower rate of return than smaller deals. And syndicators make more money off of big deals than they do off small deals. And that's why they're always going to tell you that the bigger deals are the better deals. They're not. They're more expensive. So remember this. Get out there. Do your own critical thinking. Evaluate the things that I brought to your attention today. Evaluate 10 more articles by other people and figure out where you're going to put your investment dollars. But make sure you follow the rule. Rule one, never lose money. Rule two, there's got to be cash flow. And rule three, you can't get rich slow. And if you do that, my friends, then you really will live an unbelievable lifestyle. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. For listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.